awesome. I want to be buried with the Napoleon costume, too. March 17, 2021. This is Rare Encounter Encounter number 36. And from the wallet where the money is made, I'm Abel Kirby. And blowing up demons with my BFG, I'm Cold Acid. BFG. What did BFG stand for again? Officially? I know what it was supposed to stand for. It, it officially had a different explanation, Big didn't it? Big fucking gun. Yeah, but what was the official name for it? Ah. That was it. Oh, they had the... the so you're saying in the, uh, they use, the user they manual... Up, um, they made up some other some other name for, for the movie... But it was always big fucking gun. Yeah, the BFG, BFG 9000. 9, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let me start off with our traditional uh, beer opening thing. Go open that one up. And because it's uh, St. Patrick's Day, where we celebrate St. Patrick uh, and his day, I've got a Baltimore blonde from um, Guinness, from the local Guinness brewery in Baltimore. So I've had this on the show before. I liked it, so I picked it up. And I hear a crack. Yes, unfortunately, they didn't have any green jaritos at the burrito place. <laughs> so I went with strawberry. Ah, uh, well, it's close enough. And Carb Lanes in the chat room points out, BFG does, have, does stand for... If you can't for... have green, go for, go for the exact opposite, right? Yeah. Well, I don't... Is it the exact opposite? Hmm. They're all primary colors. I think no, the... green's not a primary color. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. But it is... The cross on the yes, color wheel. Yes, it is. Wheel. Ooh, you're right. Yeah. No, I screwed that one up. Uh, Carb Lanes points out in the chat room, BFG, big friendly giant. Yeah. And Sir Rose pointed out on uh, on No Agenda Social that in the movie version was the bio first one. But as I've already mentioned, fuck the movie. That's <laughs> something they just made up for that. Uh, well, those... no. The, the movie had it. The movie had its uh, had its upsides, like starring The Rock. Well, yeah, and I forget the I forget the dude who was uh, who was the actual like star ended up being the actual like hero of the movie is some Justin Long looking kid. Mm, yeah, but he wasn't Justin Long. You know, I went out looking for he had like that, he had that kind of he had that kind of look though. I went out looking for something we talked about on the show, and I still can't find it. I still want to find it so I can point it in your face. M preg uh, doom guy, I want to see doom guy male pregnant. No, and I want to send it to you. And Fuck so I've been right off with. I was that. I was look. I actually was doing searches on that. I was, yeah, I gotta find some weirdo shit so I can send it to him and say, yeah, you said this didn't exist. I found it, but unfortunately, it still has not happened yet. I'm still waiting. Maybe yes, on Fiverr I can God, commission someone, and I'll say just just mail it to Cold no, Acid. No, stop, stop with that. <laughs> no. Oh boy. So how you been doing? Oh, not too. Saint, bad. Having a good St. Patty's Day mm. today. Eh. Wearing, I've been having a day. Wearing green, I hope. No? I think you're gonna have to punch me over the internet. No. No. I I'm wearing a green jumpsuit. No. I'm wearing a green t-shirt. I, I got green underwear, green, green socks on. I got a green hat. With a buckle I got on it. Green, nothing, man. Ah, what a shame! What a shame. The only green I, the only green I have was the lettuce that was inside my burrito. It's a shame. So now that's inside me and turning brown. <laughs> oh boy. 
The inside me is green, too. I'm very jealous. Continually, actually. <laughs> oh, what's got you jealous? Oh, you know, other podcasts, other people think they're better than me. I guess I, I must subconsciously think they're better than me, too, because I'm jealous about it, but I don't know. I've been thinking about doing a... Um, a uh, little educational podcast on the side. We talked about it briefly after the show. Um, I don't, it's going to be like a trickle kind of thing. I don't want to, I'm going to send you some stuff and I need you to proofread it and tell me if it's retarded or not. But, and uh, things? Yeah. The, I was thinking about, you know, Maps with Matt is our only uh, educational podcast. You no. know, in our, I mean, there's the other ones of out there. Things and stuff with Nick the Rat and Illuminati. <sighs> yeah, that's on YouTube though. Yeah, okay, I'll give it that. They do have an RSS feed. I re they sent it to me uh, though. I lost it. So there's two. Good work. There's two. I think we need more. That's my feeling anyway. Well, so. Well, I don't feel like being an educator. I feel more like being a ranter. Mm. That's what's going to happen when I do my solo podcast it's just going to be me complaining about stuff oh yeah and there's another one fun fact friday can't oh, forget yeah. about Midas and his daughter the thing is i've never listened to that i've heard Midas a lot on other shows i think Midas is on you should listen to it was he just on hog story or is he on next uh i think he was on on thursday last week yeah i get, I get fuzzy Midas, with all that it? i get fuzzy with all that stuff oh well but yeah, I think that's oh, something... Oh, he will be on this Thursday. That was it. Tomorrow, yeah. Uh, it's something to look forward to. I always like it. It's fun when he's on the show. It was Phone Boy, la it was phone boy last week. Yeah, that was it. That's right. Sometimes it's, it can get Thank people you, confused. Thank you, Carblanes. Yeah. <laughs> that's my brain. Bum, 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 bum. I still think it sounds like the opening chords to uh, Benny and the Jets. That little clip right there. It sounds like I just know, the but notes. <laughs> it's it's off a little bit though, right? Ah, it's close enough. Oh well, speaking of close like if you shifted like maybe like a quarter octave, right? Hmm. Benny and the Jets. Now the chat room singing the song. That's cool. Well, speaking yeah, of things uh It's a good song. Speaking of things to look forward to, uh we've got some news from uh, potatopro.com. I was gonna bring up of course, we covered Potato News on Rare Encounter. And uh, this was one that I only found on Potato Pro. I didn't find it even on some other uh, websites, which usually run with this sort of drivel. But uh, Pringles has a series called Passport Flavors that they run in Japan. It's actually Pringles Japan is what the, the division's called. And it's centered around replicating regional flavors from different parts of the world. And their newest flavor they've just announced uh, this week is... Round of uh, drum roll, please. It's a Texas flavored, uh, Texas flavored Pringle. Now, if you read it, it says Texas and then ribu underneath. I think I think it says ribu underneath. So it's Texas ribs flavored. If you if you read it, but the only English text on it, it says Texas. And if you look at the diagram on the the can, it has a a uh, like a straw hat on top of a, a Pringle, hat. on top of yeah. ribs, on top of what I think is a crock pot with a little, gr I don't know, maybe it's supposed it to be a grill. Like a, it looks like an indoor grill. Yeah, it's it's got like a little red, white, and blue uh, paint job on it, too, so you know it's Texas. And so it's Texas-flavored uh, Texas flavored uh, chips. So maybe this is something we need to shill out some if money. If there were any more Texas, it'd be shooting Mexicans. <laughs> 
it uh i put the the story wow, in my, that was bad of me <laughs> yeah i was just trying to roll over it i was gonna i was gonna keep going um but uh yeah it's coming out soon i wonder if there's a way to import it because this is something i'd like to get a cut a uh a can of of my reconstituted potato flakes that are flavored artificially to taste like texas i still want to see about these uh poutine pringles poutine pringles now what yeah, are... i didn't wasn't it poutine pringles i mentioned like several shows ago mm, it could be we i know we talked about you didn't some have any potato stuff. news and i brought some yeah I'm trying to, so it's poutine flavored. It's not Pringles with poutine on it. I remember we did a story about basically opening a bag of chips and then putting taco stuff inside the bag. <laughs> Whatever those are called. Yeah. A mess is what they're Oh, that's be what it is. The, <clears throat> the, the Baconator flavor Pringles. That's what we talked about. Oh, yeah. Actually, that yeah, that was a couple episodes ago. I haven't ago. seen those. I haven't seen those around, but they're supposed to be here in Canada somewhere. And I haven't seen them. But yeah, poutine Pringles would be pretty interesting to have. So I bit a bit of cheese flavoring in there, a bit of gravy flavoring. They already got the potato flavor. I seem. I think that having normal Pringles and dipping them in cheese and gravy would probably be pretty good. I mean, for like uh, probably you know after a couple beers sitting around, that would probably be pretty good. Hey, I'm just learning something. Oh, yeah. The uh, the guy, you know, that cartoon face on the can of Pringles, the logo? He's got the mustache and the bow tie. Yep. Do you know what his name is? Yeah. I didn't even know he had a name. I didn't either. His name's Mr. P. Mr. P. Yeah. Um, phrasing? Yeah, it's Mr. P. Hmm, that's weird. I know the uh, Bumblebee from Cheerios also has a funny name, too. I can't remember what his name is. That and um, the Monopoly guy. He has a name. I think he's something Pennybags. Uncle Moneybags. Moneybags. Yeah, that was it. Uncle Moneybags. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Moneybags. What is the Cheerios? The only uh, the only called? B I know of with the name is the is the uh, is the one from The Simpsons. Uh, which one was that? The Bumblebee guy. Uh, I I must not have seen that episode. He's in a whole bunch of them. He, he has that. There's a comedy show where he's always like pratfalling and speaking in Spanish. No, I'm not a, a Simpsons really aficionado. No. I, see, I see it when it's on Fox sometimes. <laughs> oh, I loved watching it back in the back in the old days when the show was actually good. You know, around between seasons four and twelve, hmm. there was um, They're on what season thirty two now. They had it on it, that could be the right number. Um, they had it on Disney Plus, which I had for one year. And I watched a little bit of The Simpsons. Oh, on yeah, it. because Disney owns Fox. Yeah, and so they had all the uh, the original series. You know, you could go back to season one, episode one, and start from there if you want. So I did that, and I got through, I don't know, 12 or 13 episodes, you know, until I kind of ran out of steam. But uh, it was fun. You know, it's about the only thing I really watched on Disney+. Plus. Everything else is kind of ho-hum on. So I ended up canceling it at the, uh, it was a free trial that had to do with me moving into this place and I started a FIO service. So when you sign up, you get Disney Plus for a year. Okay. So I signed up for Disney Plus for a year and I, I sent myself a reminder to do, to uh, to close my account um, a couple weeks before it would, uh, it would be, uh, you know, I would get charged the first time. And turns out that worked. I ended up canceling it and never got charged for it. So thanks, but uh, Excellent. Hardly, hardly knew you. 
even that new Star Wars stuff was enough to keep me. Dang. Well, there's my review of Disney Plus. Don't care for it. Yeah, the new the new Star Wars stuff. I mean, once once Episode Seven came out and all the bullshit that they did. Actually, no. What really turned me off all the new Star Wars stuff is when they decided that they're just going to completely stomp over everything and relegated the extent the expanded universe to so-called legends hmm. and that pissed me off so much i was like all right fuck y'all new owners disney fuck you i'm gonna i'm just gonna go with extended universe is my canon and fuck anything that comes out of disney work yeah i don't care much for it at all anymore it's like it's um you know, I used to really like it. Used to be into Star Wars. I get all the little books and, uh, you know, all the ancillary things, the toys and all that. And I just can't, uh, I can't imagine just being into it the way I was uh, back then. It's just, uh, what was I doing? I don't know. Maybe I'm growing just up. just don't work that way, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. They think it do, but it don't. I was going through, um, I was doing some research, oh. actually, for that, uh, for that, um, the podcast I was thinking about. And so I was going through and I found a really cool website um, called fixthephoto.com. And they had a blog post on it, which was the history of photo retouching. And it has a lot of visual examples inside it. Um, and it has a lot of stuff inside it. You know, some of it you've seen before or heard before, but there's a bunch of things in here I just didn't know. And so I put that in the show notes. I mean, just going down the, uh, the list, it, it starts at the first photograph ever. And then it starts going into how uh, here's examples of different photos that were used for propaganda, and here's how they're edited. Here's they go into the retouching era where they're uh, spraying, you know, like airbrushing out wrinkles and stuff on people's faces to the these areas where they or um, parts of you know photography history where they were just cutting people. They started cutting people out of one photo and putting it into the other. You know, long before Photoshop, so where you'd, you'd actually get the negatives and cut it out with an X-Acto knife and composite everyone together and then re-photograph that um, to make, yeah. a, make a composite. But it's, it's just this really cool thing. And anyway, there is a trend that it talks about from the uh, early 19, like the 1910s, 1920s that I was not aware of. I'd never heard of this before. But it had to do with kind of Photoshopped, you know, and this is like 1913. Um pictures of fish eating men so it's like people going out to fish and then there's in th and the fish is giant and like eating people's legs off <laughs> or there's a there's jaws? another yeah like jaws style so i put some of these in the show notes uh if you refresh and i slipped them in right before the show started mm -hmm. so you might not have seen them but uh somewhere down below the pringle stuff there's a couple of pictures and there's it's under the heading fish eating men enables lecture series podcast <laughs> Uh, and you can see they have a, a guy with a hatchet riding on the back of a fish. And it looks like he's about to swing that axe right into his eyeball. There's a, uh, <laughs> the second one, which is another postcard is from, uh, there's two people out on a kind of a dead tree that's hanging over a lake and coming out of the lake. It was, I don't know what those are supposed to be pike or something. Fish coming in, they're biting one of the guy's legs off and it's, it's just gruesome. And apparently this was a fad for years so much so it was just sort of famously associated with postcards, I guess, um, according to this blog anyway. 
the way they describe it, it sounds like it was a super widespread popular thing to do is you you were uh, sending uh, postcards with fish-eating men on it. So There's your little factoid. I thought it was funny. I think the pictures are funny. Yeah, we're gonna have to throw those. In, we're gonna have to throw those in notes because they look pretty funny. Actually, yeah. I put a link to the article too, so you could pop that in. But that's a it's a great read from the oh, top that's to the bottom. Going in from the top to the bottom, it, it, it it's all examples too. Every single section of the little post has a an example of actual stuff from the era and how they were uh, descriptions of how it was done and everything. It's very fascinating. Yeah, I'm I'm scrolling through it and yeah, there's like. There's, like, images as much as there's text. Oh, yeah. it's abs- I'm going to just, for the uh, uh, chat room, I'm going to pop that link right in there. There's some great All stuff. Yeah. It reminded me... Well, now uh, it's time for me to bring some... Oh. oh, I got one more thing before we switch gears, because I wanted to go to another thing we like to talk about, which is that this all reminded me of, which was um, Stanley Kubrick's uh, Space Odyssey. And... There was a book about Space Odyssey that came out. It wasn't the fiction book. It was a book about the making of the movie and what was going on and all the trials and tribulations that happened to make that during the course of this and all the technical challenges that they they overcame. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, that. Since we're talking about photographs, I wanted to bring up um, that they were doing a lot of double exposure shots back in the uh, in that era. And so one of the things that they had to do with Space Odyssey was they would have to photograph kind of the um, the foreground of the scene with the background, you know, uh, matted out. And so the film, um, just just areas of the film that there were going to be, uh, you know, people in or, or models in were photographed and everything else was mas- masked out. But the time between when they, they photographed the foreground and the background was years and so they were taking a huge risk. They had to take all the uh, the film. It couldn't, obviously, it can't be developed. And you don't know if the film is good or bad until it's developed. So they were doing like safety. They're doubling. They had to double shoot everything in case one of the one of the uh, developments didn't come out. Um, and, and then knowing, whole, how, knowing how anal Kubrick was about things, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do like triple or quadruple filming. They they. They took a huge risk when they were filming some scenes in this movie where they built, you know, I think it was they built the set. They filmed all of the foreground stuff on it. They knew they had to composite the background, but they didn't have the technology to composite the background. They didn't have the models made yet. They wouldn't be made for years according to schedule. And so they just had to store those in a warehouse and hope nothing happened to it. And uh, meanwhile, the set for the foreground was taken down, so they can't reshoot it. Uh, Not the same way anyway, so it's... Just this, uh, it, it came to mind when I was reading all about this f- composite photography, which is what it is. It's, yeah, it was, you're really rolling God, the dice with that If I was working film. under Kubrick during those times, I would have just been like sweating bullets throughout the entire production. <laughs> you know what? Everyone was, it sounds like. Everyone was scared as fuck of this guy. They it, And he would fire people just because uh, he, he was promoting like an intern because the intern found something his art department couldn't or you know, he was he was doing all kinds of uh, cool stuff. I'm surprised he never actually murdered anyone. No. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say Cooper that. Cooper seems to be the sort that if you if you fucked up on one of his productions bad enough, he would take an axe to you. Yeah. Like a literal axe. Yeah. It there there was always that um Oh, who's the guy who did all the special effects? Um, he, did, he was in Return of the Jedi. He did all the composite photography for that. 
just to tie it back to Star Wars, um, I'm really bad that I can't remember his name now. Um, I'd suggest checking IMDb, except for the fact that they're even worse of a pay site now than they've been. Yeah. Well, I can't remember his name now. He was the guy who was supposed to get the, uh, the, uh, the credit for all the special effects, and then the Kubrick kind of pulled a fast one on him, and he put his own name instead of this guy. Uh, oh, what a dick move. Yep. I'm running through. I, I, it's like a sin that I forgot his name because I should know it off the top of my head. But anyway, we can move on. <laughs> I'll, it'll come to All me right. in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, so I bring, I bring some sad news today. Uh-oh. It was, it was news that came out after last week's show, but what happened was actually before the show. And that is, did you ever watch Stargate SG-1? Yeah, I did. Uh, a lot, actually. You remember Ball? The, um, yeah, he was one of the, the villains. The most amusing of the system lords. Yeah, he was one of the uh, the villains in the show, uh, kind of early on, I think. Yes, right? but, um, oh, well, I, not exactly early on. He wasn't in he, season he 10. Was like one of the, he, he, yeah, he was one of the longest running uh, villains of the mm. series. But he was always like an affable sort of villain. And then one of the one of the movies afterwards, one of the made-for-TV movies afterwards, was uh, was built around him. Anyways, the actor who played him, Cliff Simon, actually uh, passed away in a accident last Tuesday. Uh oh, let's kiteboarding. Kiteboarding. Yeah, that's a way to go. Kiteboarding. Yeah. So he like. He was more than just an actor. He was he was a guy who would uh, go on adventures. He was very sporty. He's actually from South Africa as well. But yeah, it's like uh, it's it's pretty sad. He went away that way, like in an accident, uh, kiteboarding in California. Yeah. Is there a, an obit for him or anything we could put in the show notes? Well, I'm putting I'm putting an article about about it in the uh, in uh, the show notes. Yeah. You want me to put that in the? Uh, Is um, I'll, I'll put it in the I'll put it in the room as well. Yeah. Deadline.com. What a name for a site. Yeah. Cliff Simon. Oh, I didn't geez. even consider as as that. Saw, oh my god. As soon as I saw his uh, his face, his, oh yeah, I know this guy. I I thought you were talking about a different guy in the show. No, yeah. no, this guy. Who? Cliff Simon? Yeah, Cliff Simon. Yeah, as soon as I saw his face. That's what I meant. As soon as I saw his face, I, I uh, recognized him. I was thinking of someone else. Yeah. Jeez. Born in South Africa, Simon was a veteran actor and the author of the book Paris Nights, My Year at the Molin Rogue. He was a swimmer in no, the British... No, Paris Nights, My Night at the Moulin Rouge. Rouge, ah, there you what's go. Missi- what's missing from there is that there's actually supposed to be a colon between knights and my. Have you read this book? No, I have not. I didn't even know about this book, but but the way that that is, the yeah, only, you're the only right, way it to should... actually phrase that is my year at the Moulin Rouge would be the subtitle, Moulin right? Rouge. Oh, yeah, and just doing a quick Google search. So that's a typographical error up by Deadline.com. Hmm. It's not their only one. Yeah. If you look at the if you look at the title tag, they missed a space between SG one and was, and there's other there's other places where they've missed the space character, and other characters 
throughout the uh, throughout the article. Yeah, these guys need a better editor. It's kind of weird how people get away with that. I mean, there's just poor editing in general. You'd think for a professional organization, you'd have someone who's checking that stuff. And turns out, uh, in many cases, it's just hey, we push the button, it goes on the site, no one checks it at all. And even if they do, they're they're no better than the people who are writing them. It's not like they have decent editors who actually work on the work on the whole concept of being editors. They're just the people who say, yeah, we will publish this or we won't and not actually worry about the <laughs> copy itself. I, I'm just reading the last line here and it says his other roles included recently hosting Into the Unknown uh, for the Travel Channel and appearances on NCIS Castle Days of Our Lives in 24. And I'm trying to figure out what I want to see more. The uh, the episode of Castle that he's in or the episode of Days of Our Lives that he's in? <laughs> for, I would uh, rather avoid soap operas altogether. Thanks very much. <laughs> I, you know, I was forced to watch them enough as a kid at the cottage or whenever visiting my grandparents. My mom and my grandmother would always like 4.30 comes around time to put on global TV and watch the soaps. That's my when stories. my grandfather decided. Yeah. I, <laughs> so that's that's how my grandfather got into the habit of having naps from 4.30 until dinner time. <laughs> and... My brother and I and my uncles, we'd all go out either for walks or go for a swim or otherwise try and get out of the cottage. Hmm. Just, so, just so that we wouldn't have to deal with uh, mom and granny watching their soaps. Yeah. I've been watching more of these things because of uh, soap operas, I mean. Um, Why? The, the job I'm at, they have a TV. I've never had this before. They have just a live TV in the, uh, the break room. Um, and it's on whatever channel the last person left it on. And so usually when, I, if I go to get coffee, I don't know, at 10 in the morning or something like that, or, or sometimes in the afternoon, um, depending on what channel it's left on, it's just whatever's you on end TV. Up seeing young and the restless. I don't know what all of these shows are, but I, I've sat, I was just stood there and drank my coffee watching this bullshit on the, uh, the screen for a while. Some of it's entertaining. Like it's just people who are, uh, you know, the acting's bad. They're, just aghast that you could sleep with Lisa, you know. It, so I don't know Lisa. It's, I don't know anything that's going on. In the sense that that you enjoy torturing yourself, you masochist. <laughs> it's that or um, or reruns of like Walker Texas Ranger. You know, we get those on the TV a lot. There's a whole. I'd lunch, rather watch that. There's a whole lunch crew that watches that and Night Rider. <laughs> So they all have lunch at the okay, same time so they can watch it on TV. Don't knock Walker, Texas Ranger. Don't knock Knight Rider. Okay? Uh, Those were great shows back I've, in their time. I, I think they're good today. You could tell some of them are a little, uh, I don't know. They don't look too good over well, the Well, yeah, uh, they're the dated. And they're all in 4x3, too, which doesn't help them. No, but, uh, I mean, back in, the, back in those days... Even Japan was still making shows in 4x3. Oh, uh, yeah. It's hard to change, they didn't though. Start they didn't start making uh, widescreen shows until, like, early 2000s, even in Japan. Yeah. I, they I were really, doing it before we were, though, that's for sure. I really think the widescreen format is just... It's surprising to me, after getting used to widescreen and realizing how nice it is, it, for some reason, it's just better to look at than 4x3. 
why we ever had four by three in the first place, except for, I don't know, maybe because glass it's was because more expensive. It's e- because it's easier to make, uh, it's easier to make the tubes that way. Oh yeah. Symmetric tubes. Yeah. 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 When you've got the dimensions closer, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to actually set them up, especially because you control the beams by magnets, right? Yep. And so if you've got a wider screen, right, then you've got to do a lot more futzing with that to make the beam go where you want it to. Yep. And so it's a lot easier to just make like four by three because that's really damn close to one by one. Yep, yep. So to get Whereas a- 16 by nine or 16 by 10 is is a lot different to get the um this a wider aspect ratio with the same current draw i think you need a longer tube so the tv would actually have to be longer too that Um, too yeah or you could pump up the current draw (laughs) but i don't know if they wanted to do that either so yeah that's that makes a lot of sense it would actually have been it would actually been easier to to make like just a bigger tube and then just hide the top and bottom of it to have the aspect ratio and just like, just like beam nonsense, except for the lines where you're actually showing something on the screen, <sighs> than to make a than to make an actual widescreen CRT. I only watch TV on my oscilloscope. That's all I do. <laughs> if it doesn't fit in a one-dimensional signal, you know, I can't uh, I can't pay attention to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like it's because of the ability to have flat screens that we are able to break out of four by three outside of the movie theaters, mm. which have always been like one by 1.85 to 1.2.1. Right. Mm. There's been some, uh, now what are those famous? There's a couple like really weird format, uh, film prints. And some of them were, you know, like experimental films. And one of them was, um, it wasn't Lawrence of Arabia, was it? Uh, I shouldn't bring it up if I can't think of the... Never mind. I shouldn't bring it up if I can't think of it off the top of my head. But there was a, some uh, film that had, like... It was filmed in super widescreen. Um, it was in the 30s or something. Uh, it was like Cleopatra, was that it? For some reason, I'm thinking about Cleopatra. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Trivia that no one cares about but me. I don't even know it. So I can't care about it that much. Oh, the one I was thinking about in film is 2.39 to 1, not 2.1. Wow, that was fun. So I typed in, I was was hoping to get a list, so I typed in 2.39 colon 1, and uh, Firefox thought it was an IP address. (laughs) That's weird. And a port. Okay, here we go. So, (laughs) So here we go. Four to one, used in a silent picture from 1927, Napoleon. Whoa, wait a minute. It's a film about Napoleon? I want to watch it now. a silent French epic film. Why don't I know about this? I want to watch a film about Napoleon. I love the Napoleon story. In 1927, wow. Yeah. That's about 100 years after his bullshit in uh, Russia. I think that was uh, 18... Even longer than that. Yeah. Running time, 330 minutes. Wow, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, five and a half hours. Can I, wa- can I watch the, it? And the, and the aspect ratio is is like, four. the width is four times the height. <laughs> oh, Lord. Look at this guy playing Napoleon. He looks like a mean mother. Well, I don't know. He could be the singer from My Chemical Romance 
or a pirate like Johnny Depp style. I'm not sure. Albert Dudonna. He's almost got that MCR look. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. He died in Paris in 1976 at the age of 86. According yeah. to his last wishes, he is buried wearing his Napoleon costume. Whoa, I love that. I love that too. <laughs> That's great. What a what a dude. <laughs> buried with Napoleon costume. What a dude. That is awesome. You know what? I want to be buried with the Napoleon costume too. Well, first you got to play Napoleon on uh, on the silver screen. Can I play Napoleon on a podcast? No. That doesn't count. Well, you know, because it's a French Napoleon film, they're going to whitewash it, though. It's not going to be the real story. They're going to fake it to make him look better than he was. What you need to do is watch the Soviet version of War and Peace, <laughs> where Napoleon's, they just take him to town. Apparently, this was supposed to be the first of six films about Napoleon's career. <laughs> Are they off after after hours? the difficulties making this one the first film in the series? He realized that it would be too costly to do the rest. <laughs> There's a lot of a uh, lot of film has to be photographed. Five and a half hours. I guess no one had anything to do back then. I think by by the look of things, I think this film, I think the end of the film was still before. Robespierre was uh, executed. Da, 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 da. I'm not seeing any dates on here. <laughs> I'm on the wrong page. No, I can't but re reading about part three of the film, like Robespierre is still mentioned. Ba, 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 da, ba, da. Robespierre says he should. Ooh. So we're going to like no later than like 73 or uh oh 1793 this... or so right what's he doing then he's in africa is that what happened i remember 18 I'm not sure. i remember like 1806 that's when he was going into uh russia the first time and then they had or uh i don't know something got something happened and they he ended up having a truce with who was it alexander the second or something and then they were buddies for a while and then in 1812 the same time we had our uh our little spat and in uh, North America, uh, Napoleon was invading Russia, <laughs> took over Moscow, and uh, may or may not have burned it to the ground. But that's a different story. It's a fun story, though. Yeah. So, so by the by the end of that film, it was still no later than uh, than some point in 1794. So before he before he was emperor, when he was still just a general of the of the French Republic. Oh, cool. The stuff you find on Rare Encounter. It is a Rare Encounter. Yeah. That is a Rare Encounter. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this guy made a whole bunch of other uh, movies. Uh, Abel Gantz, the director of Napoleon and producer. So, well, he did He did one on Austerlitz. He did one on Lucrezia Borgia. I closed his tab. <laughs> Well, speaking of Napoleon films, um, you know who is going to make a Napoleon film, right? Who? Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick's he, dead, isn't he? Yeah. He, he, died. Had, he had plans. They had a script in place. It was oh. one of the things he was going to do before he died. Oh, he, damn. They, he was working on building a, uh, putting together a film, and one of the, allegedly, the next thing he was going to do um, was a epic about the life of Napoleon, filmed by Stanley Kubrick. And man, I'd be all on top of that shit. 
and it, it maybe turns out it, was, it never happened. Maybe he but, was planning to do a remake of this Napoleon film. Or maybe he was going to do Napoleon Dynamite 2 by Stanley Cooper. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it's far more likely that he was going to he was going to try and succeed where Abel Gantz failed and make like a six-part movie series where each where each film is like is like five hours long about the life of napoleon it's like a they just did that back in the day they would have movies yeah that ran for five hours i'm glad we wised up because that's still rough i don't know you'd, like you'd have to have like at least at least an intermission or two so people could go and like empty their bladders after all the uh soda they're drinking I presume in France they would uh, step outside and have a baguette and a cigarette. Oh, this Napoleon movie. Oh, yeah, in, movie. in France it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been drinking soda. It would have been drinking wine. Ah, the, the vine is so good with this Napoleon movie. Le vine is divine. <laughs> All right, we're bad at accents, as someone pointed out. We just don't... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Who's that? Who's that? Fletcher? I, yeah. I don't know. I can have a very good German accent sometimes. Yeah. Those are facts. I think that was Fletcher. <laughs> All right. What do we got for topics here? Um, I did a couple. You brought a bunch of stuff. You 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 punted a bunch of things last week. We just couldn't get to. Um, you want to yeah. bring up one of those now? Um, before I do that, I do want to bring up something that is very timely and. That goes back to my introduction from this episode, relating Doom? to Doom, the BFG. So the final, yeah, the final DLC for Doom Eternal, the Ancient Gods Part Two drops tomorrow, and on Tuesday, on Tuesday, uh, it released a mini trailer, a, a teaser trailer for the trailer for the Ancient Gods Part Two, which they released today. So you have in three days, you have a teaser trailer for the trailer, yeah, the trailer for the DLC, and the DLC release itself. And this is this podcast is the teaser for the trailer for the trailer for the teaser for the DLC, something like that. So I'm just gonna play the audio for for the trailer, and then and then from there we'll continue with other stuff. You bring violence and war to the wards of the dark.
you will not stop my vengeance. Alright, it's all crackly. Yeah. It was actually kind of all crackly in the video itself. Uh, some, some of the distortion near the beginning is actually in the in the video itself. Mm -hmm. But anyways, you're... You're this time pretty much going up against the Lord of Hell himself, and it looks like you've got allies in this. There's monsters that are that are newly introduced in this DLC, and there's mechs that you, that look like are part of the combat. So I don't know if you get to actually control one of them or not. Mm. It looks pretty fucking badass. That seems fun. I mean, it's hard to tell. All I can hear is the audio from the trailer. It's just. Which kind of goes on. I mean, it just sounds like. Yeah. Rumpf, well, I'm gonna be oof, put, I'm gonna oof. be putting the uh, I'm gonna be putting the link to that in, so people can actually watch it as well. Hmm. Into the show notes that is. Yeah, I think yeah. I got. I think I've got the Rumpf's library. Let's see. Can I play that through the thing? I can go. Mm. Yeah, I got some of these. Yeah, from Rare Encounter, some other stuff. Reversed sounding explosions. That kind of stuff. Nice. Oh well. Alright. Oh so yeah, and you also get you also get a new weapon which is like this badass laser hammer thing. Oh. Which is pretty cool. The B A L H T. You get to like, you get to like actually like smash bad guys with it. So like you can like hammer them from above. And just, like, squish the fuck out of them. So it's a gravity hammer, is what you're um, saying. phrasing? It's a gravity hammer. Kind of, yeah. It's, it, it's like, it looks kind of like the gravity hammers from uh, from the Halo games. Mm. Cool. All right, so now let's get on to these other, these other topics of mine. That yeah, have got? been punted over and over and over again. So where should I start? Let's, let's start with the J-pop invasion. Yeah, what's this about? I know what J-pop is, but what's this invasion? Okay, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send you the. I'm gonna send you the link in the back channel, and we can do a little bit of a cold read of the article. Which back channel? Oh, I see it. I on IRC. There, I got you it. should have it. I got it. Yeah. Do you want me to read this? Okay. I I will read the first paragraph, and we can. We can alternate on paragraphs, maybe. Okay. Is it, are we going to go all the way to the end, or just till it's not funny anymore? Um, just till it's not funny anymore. That's the right answer. <laughs> K-pop has become a global sensation, with acts like BTS and Blackpink amassing fans far beyond Asia. J-pop, which ranges from the electro-synth, electro-nick synth sounds of USOB to the pop punk anthems of one okay rock and a catchy little and catchy little rock ballads of lisa oh i've heard of her will be even bigger oh, aeg presents is betting and unshuts entertainment groups concert promotion giant is teaming up with japanese entertainment conglomerate avax entertainment incorporated to spread j-pop wide and further expand the asian market for u.s artists uh -huh. To spread J-pop wide. Yeah. Um, phrasing. <laughs> the two companies have formed a new joint venture, AEGX, to pool resources and local expertise on developing artists, venues, festivals, and global touring. I like this. Japan has the second largest recorded music market in the world, 
thanks to avid fans who snap up multiple copies of vinyl and CDs. Do we know anyone else who snaps up multiple copies of vinyl and CDs? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a certain, a certain fellow down in Texas, uh, by the hmm. name of John Fletcher. I was thinking of, I, was I know thinking he of, definitely collects a lot of vinyl. I was thinking of someone buying multiple copies of things. I think it's that guy. Those are facts. That's surprising though, as the second largest recorded music market in the world. What about all the, well, I'm I guess, not actually surprised by that. Now that I think about it, so what's this saying? Because um, Japan has, it's sort of in the population class of the U.S. It's, what, 150 million uh, and we're 350 million. Canada is way kind of down there in terms of population. I think Pakistan's closer Yeah, we've only got like to, 37, 38 million here. And then the, the, the top two are India and China. Those are in the billions of population, one point four i think for india and china is way up there multiple billions if i remember right and so what's what this yeah, is saying people, is that how many people in india have the sort of disposable income to buy lots of music i, I was gonna say that's how, really how many of them pay for music is probably very yeah. little this is that i mean that's my what it's guess telling is us. that my guess is that my guess is that the top three for uh for recorded music markets in terms in terms the purchasing, at least, which is how I believe this article looks at it, because it is from the Wall Street Times, would be China, Japan, and the USA, in that order. Um, I, just real quick with some Google Foo, I have the right answer. Um, according oh. to IFPI 2019 data, music markets with total retail value and share of physical and digital records has a ranking by market. The market is the country that it's in. Um, it doesn't report any of the retail value, which is annoying. But the ranking from number one, two, three is United States, Japan, and United Kingdom. And below that, it's uh, uh -oh. Germany, France, Korea. China's number seven. Damn, that's a lot lower than I thought they were. Yeah. But, I mean, they're still using all the same copy. They have one CD key for Windows XP, and they just keep using that, right? Maybe they do the same thing with music. That's true. That, they, that That's how China does it. They bought Taylor Swift once and everyone got a copy of it, I presume. <laughs> well, hey, that's communism for you. Yeah. Canada, by the way, Canada is disproportionately high on the list in terms of population um, because you're number eight. Um, and there are a bunch of other countries with more population than Canada. I think Vietnam and Indonesia and a bunch of those, they don't make the list at all. So they're not buying music at all. But Canada gets to gets up to eight above australia yeah that's probably because of how many of us have uh have like spotify and stuff up here yeah could be oh well it's interesting um and we do we do have a big physical music market up here a lot of people who, who buy vinyl a lot of people who still buy cds hell i've got a whole stack of cds that i just bought like last month this is uh i'm trying to pick up where we left off in this read because i think it's interesting um the rise of streaming, however, has broadened musical tastes in Japan. You didn't finish. You didn't finish that for that previous paragraph. Um, okay, yeah, there's Japan two sentences this, in there. The second largest recorded music market in the world, thanks to avid fans who snap up multiple copies of CDs. Yet, ninety percent of revenue in music sales is generated by Japanese artists. Well, that's interesting too. So they're they're recording stuff and selling it to themselves, and and that's. 90% of their music market. 
Wow, yeah. that's cool. That's the a healthy economy. However, oh yeah, the rise of streaming, however, has broadened musical tastes in Japan and beyond. Executives say. J-pop's share of all plays outside Japan jumped 117% from January 2019 to January 2021, according to Spotify Technology SA. Mm. Streaming has kicked down the borders of music discovery and acceptance on the world stage, says AEG presents, AEG presents Chief Executive Jay Marciano. I can't pronounce his name. Marciano? Marciano. That sounds right. It's made... Music borderless. K-pop acts like BTS and Blackpink, which AEG helped break into the U.S., provide a blueprint for how non-English-speaking artists can amass global appeal. BTS had the world's sixth-highest-grossing tour in 2019 at $170.3 million, according to Polestar, with the seven-member Korean boy band notching in between the Rolling Stones and Bon Jovi. <laughs> Yeah. Now Japan is starting to look outward as fans are discovering artists from all over as they come online with streaming. Yeah, that's good stuff. The uh, that is good money. Damn. I, I I like that they didn't jump to the obvious the Gangnam Style thing uh, because that was a one hit kind of fluke. He, he had I, he had a few he had a few hits. I had a few hits. He only had one that I heard my neighbors Gangnam playing style. on a bo- boombox outside. There's only one that I've heard in, in the wild, and that was uh, that was Gangnam Style. There's only one that a bunch a of losers of... at at MIT yeah. did a stupid music video about, and that was Gangnam Style. I got style. it from my daddy. I got it from my daddy. That was him too. I've never even heard that one. I have heard BTS, um, and I can't name any of their songs, but I recognize them um, at a restaurant in Baltimore. Fun fact. Now, it was in a Korean area of Baltimore, so, uh, but uh, I, some of these acts you know, do show up once in a while on the radio. And let, I mean, it, as long as you switch away from classic rock stations and you try and go out, they, they play some of the K-pop stuff there. So that's interesting. That's a good story. Yeah, yeah so now it looks like, well, I mean, you and I, we've seen, we've seen some of these Japanese J-pop artists uh, uh perform oh, yeah. live i've seen califina i mean and some other yeah and I've, I've seen various i've seen various acts even in the past at anime north back when i went to that convention yep and of course yeah going to the concerts at uh, anime expo i didn't go i didn't go to any of the concerts in 2015 but i did go to uh to concerts i think in 2017 I'd have I'd have to check my notes, but I know I did I did buy tickets and attended a concert one of the other years that I went to AX. Yeah, it's fun though. It's a different concert experience if you go to one of these. Um, I guess the K-pop fans are kind of wild. They're all about the colors of the uh, the group, so they always have um, you know some kind of uh, there's like fan lore behind the groups for all of them. You know, it's not just like, hey, this is the one thing, funny thing that fish fans do. It's the, all of the different groups have their own kind of little gimmicks and, and stuff that the fans do. And when you go to the concert, you know, you have to know, walk the walk. You have to know what's going on. So it's like, like I've seen, um, I, I think I went to the, the Hatsune Miku show. <laughs> That's another topic, vocal like concerts. <laughs> nice. But, uh, it was just kind of wild how the, um, the crowd behaves different. Now you're in the middle of Los Angeles and you're in this Staples Center where you, 
I'm sorry, it was the was it the Nokia Theater at the time? It was the at, Microsoft Theater. Yeah, it's the well, it was the Nokia Theater at the time. Now it's the now it's the, it was uh, yeah, Microsoft it was originally Theater. the Nokia Theater. Then it became Microsoft. Uh, right by, I, I'm trying to remember what building it is. Damn, I should know that. Um, it's like or it's like they're right around, next to each other. I can't remember. Which one yeah, it's into. like it's like in that whole entertainment complex right next to the convention. Yeah, center. yeah, but the you know they would have a different rock concert there another night, and the crowd would be. I mean, it's all different people, but just the way the crowd behaves is strange. I would recommend that if you want to do something adventurous, go to one of these Asian band. You know, and I don't just mean like I mean like from Korea or Japan, where they're going to sing in a different language. Go to these concerts because it's interesting. The crowd don't behaves differently. Don't forget to bring your yeah. light sticks. Yeah, yeah. Bring the right color too. God help you if you bring the wrong yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> Such Your life is happen. forfeit if you bring the wrong color. Yeah. Ah uh, well. That was good. But yeah. So it's it sounds like we're gonna see we're gonna see more anime music showing up uh, in the West now. Yeah. Give me a give me a second. I'm gonna grab a second beer tonight. All right. I'll I'll play some mulatto butts. Alrighty, we're back, folks. Make another <laughs> marker so you know I, where to I, uncut from. I hate. Yeah. Thank you. Um. I hate that that song is now stuck in my head. Your favorite song, a lot of cold, cold, cold Acid's favorite intermission song. <laughs> Let everyone be known. The one thing Cold Acid likes, mulatto butts. Oh, boy. Well, they're black and white butts. What, what can you say? Uh, well, I wonder if that Napoleon movie had any black okay, and white butts. Okay, make a new mark for where, for where to start up again. <laughs> I already did. I don't know. I keep stopping this pedal, man. This pedal is the highest technology in podcasting. It's the newest advance in podcasting technology, and we have it. This is exclusive. I can license this technology to other podcasters for a nominal fee. You, too, could have the technology to buy your own pedal and plug it into your computer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you'll get you'll get it so that Adam will give you Adam will give you like a nobility title for <laughs> for free just for just for introducing this to him. <laughs> you know, you, you, that's where you, it went wrong. Instantly, Baron Abel Kirby. Well, I'm almost there. I'd be Baron. Uh, I don't know. I haven't got around to uh, to donating this uh, in a little while. I should, I guess. Yeah, I've I've gone a little douchebag. Usually I donate like right at the beginning of each month and now we're like more than halfway through. Yeah, March. I think part of the thing is don't tell anyone this. Um but I really haven't been listening to the show much. Um I listen oh. I do catch it. But what I end up doing is putting it on a little bit in the car and back and forth and I'm not I'm not listening to every episode. Like I told you I'm a dedicated non-completist. This is, this non is the mistake with not listening live. Well, I have other things to do. My weekend is, uh, especially my Sunday, you know, I have stuff to do. I could listen to it live if it's at 8 p.m. Not if it's in the middle of the day. I got stuff going on, dog. Even when I'm doing stuff, like, I can be cleaning the house on Sunday, and I've got it I've got it playing off the Roku upstairs and off the computer down here. Uh, I'm right, I'm that doing way, stuff as I like, go through the house, I'm still listening to the show. I'm doing things like writing music. You can't have stuff in the background when you do that. You really have to oh, yeah, tune everything true. out. You can't have stuff in the background for and that. So, uh, and I've been on a war against FOMO. You know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's something that I don't like. I don't, I don't really pay attention to that. I just, I do what I like, and if I miss out, I miss out. Sometimes I miss out on things on purpose just 
to uh, immunize myself against FOMO. That's a pretty neat idea. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Some 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 Freudian background there. I think I don't know. I don't yeah. know why. Why so do we want to continue on the? Do we want to continue on the J-pop stuff, or Is shall there, I go to another topic? Yeah, we, I don't think there's anything more on that um, that we can add to it. No, What's this, we, tell me well, about the whole article is going to go is going to go in the show notes. So so anybody who wants to read more can do so. I think we we've got time for a couple more things. So uh, oh yeah, what what about this Goomba genocide? Tell me about that. Yeah, so apparent apparently apparently there was a world count challenge with Super Mario Brothers. The Super Mario Brothers 35 World Count Challenge where you're trying to trying to like defeat so many Goombas to to win something or something like that. And so there's this <clears throat> There's this site that says it's a Goomba genocide. Mm-hmm. All these poor Goombas getting murdered. Yeah? Murder. <laughs> yeah. Murder. You should read that as murder Goombas because we'll give you useless virtual currency for doing so. Murder Goombas so we can give you useless currency for doing so. That's all I can do. Over 317 million Goombas murdered. <laughs> Oh boy! Is this like never a, again? Can can you give never me some context? Again. Is this is this something where you actually play the Super Nintendo, or is this like a cookie clicker website where you just click on it and it counts up, it accumulates how many Goombas someone clicked on once? I'm not sure. I think it was actually like in game because this sounds like some stupid website where you just click on a button and it's here's how many clicks there are. <laughs> Do you remember those websites where they would just have a button? Super Mario Brothers 35 game on the Switch. So it's it is on a console. Yeah, what's Super, I think Super it, Mario Brothers 35. I don't know what that means. What's Super Mario Bros. 35? Oh, apparently, apparently it's a uh, it's a game that disappears at the end of this month as well. Hmm. I just put a link to it inside the uh, inside the chat. Developers, Arika, published published by Nintendo. Hmm. What a surprise! Uh, is it as good as Doki Doki Panic? I don't know. It might be. It it depends on what style of Mario you prefer. Hmm. If you're if you're the type who likes seeing Mario pull stuff out of the ground and throw it at people, then no. What like if you're the type carrots? who just like to see? Mm, What's he pull out beats? of the ground? Beats? He pulled out a lot of beats in uh, in Super Mario Brothers 2, aka the American version of Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> oh, radishes, yes. Boober is okay, there you go. radishes. Beats. There we go. Okay, Thank I'll you, give Boobery. you that. I was even I was thinking of like Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario. I remember pulling things out of the ground. I guess you're right, yeah, radish. Daikon, was it Daikon actually? Radish zero two three. Was Daikon yeah, radish? Yeah, Daikon radishes. Yeah, I I don't even know that. I just presume it is because it's from Japan. Yeah, but yeah, it's like all those all those poor all those poor baddies murdered by all these Mario's. Won't somebody please think of the Goombas? Won't somebody please think of the Goombas? <laughs> oh boy, what is a Goomba anyway? They're the little. They're the well, little. I know what it is, but what's it supposed to just... be? 
Besides a little head with two legs under its chin, what is it? And a beanie like I don't pool. know. That's that's what it is. That's that's <laughs> what it is. Sometimes they have a spike on their head, depending on where. Yeah, what don't don't a- don't ask me. You gotta the you hammer. gotta ask. Uh, you gotta ask Nintendo's people about that. I should ask. You know who would know? Goombario, who's uh, the sidekick. <laughs> uh, uh, you you don't yeah. see it, but I'm face palming right now. Yeah, you just push down C, and it'll tell you all about it. Okay. What uh, else do we get? Okay. Hey, speaking of blast from the past, um, I brought up Evangelion on I don't know it was so, an ep- last episode or the one before. Um, with the intention that I was going to segue into the fact that the new movie was finally dropping. And I think I missed bringing that whole topic up. Uh, I think this was on episode 34 of, uh, of Rare Encounter. So I, I got the segue. I nailed it. I got us talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. And then we dropped the ball before it moved on before I could mention the fact that the, uh, the last movie of the new series got rescheduled. And it has already premiered in Japan. Um and uh yeah i remember we were discussing that the there's no sign of a uh u.s release yet i'm just keeping my eye on it still well yeah as of last time i looked let me uh take a look again what i'm assuming is that it's going to come out on fathom events like it usually does so let me pop into fathom events last time i looked they had anime uh listed as a category and if you clicked on what the anime they were playing was it was just empty they would give you a blank yeah please check back for upcoming events so they ain't, ain't shit going on so don't hold your breath it's gonna be a while i'm not i'm not holding my breath i know better than to do that oh well well coming up next episode of rare encounter we're gonna have to do some wrap up for anime um the last episode of um higurashi uh, for this season is airing i think it actually already aired but i don't watch it until after the show's done so um that's coming up and so that's sort of the end of this season for me um you've been watching a couple things too uh aside from prisma yeah and they're gonna watching... they're gonna wrap up the next uh the next week and two mm-hmm. so i'm trying to think of what we should just have a little segment ne- where we yeah do a next week yeah. next week we're gonna have to just go through like what are what are the shows to watch for the upcoming spring season oh geez it never ends you think it never does anime. no <laughs> uh, and speaking of things that never end or never seem to end uh, what do you think about uh wrapping up or oh we're still missing some things we, before we can wrap up we can always punt though what do you what do you what's what's essential no, no. what about the podcast report oh i've been trying to avoid doing that <laughs> i didn't even prepare it are you kidding that's one of, that's one of our biggest draws i know because you know everybody but, listens to hear to, to hear, hear me what's say going on their names podcasts. i know because we're like the local paper where the the goal of writing an article in the local paper is just mention as many locals as possible so they have to buy the paper i know i know all right well i did listen to grumpy old ben's um that was fun. Uh, let's see, on Monday, I'm trying to, I have to get the episode, Fake You, episode uh, 143, and that was uh, about deep fakes and some other things going on. Um, it was one of the things that got me thinking about photo, um, it got me down this rabbit hole, I was, we were talking about fake photos um, earlier, and I was talking about this this other project I was thinking about, writing an essay on, uh, on uh, optics, computed optics. And that was one of the things that inspired me was actually listening to that episode. Um, we had a hog story. We already talked about hog story, though. 
we had Fumboy on uh, their latest episode. I haven't actually listened to. I got some of it on on live stream, and uh, I missed the uh, the rest. I haven't caught up yet. What else do we have? Um, Behind the Schemes has uh, Dean Reiner on. I was listening to that today. Actually, it's the the last thing I was listening to. Um, Dean Reiner is the host of Up Is Down, which is a podcast that I like. Um, he, I, I found out about it because he actually donated to No Agenda once, and he had an, in his donation notice, yeah, listen to my podcast. Well, I did, and uh, it was great, um, you know, kind of slightly uh, different take on some of the some of the uh, topics that other podcasts talk about. And I, li- I like his way of approaching these subjects, uh, so he's great to listen to. Um, then, uh, what else do we got? What am I forgetting called? Uh, Nick how many rat. days since the last, uh, yo, yeah, Nick the Rat, uh, I'm not. number of days since the last, me- yeah, well, it hasn't it's a been trickle a cast. month yet before it's, we start, before we start nagging him again. Someone, someone described Maps with Matt as a trickle cast, and I like that, um, I like that description. That's clever, yeah, that because is a clever it's, description. It's, it's, along with Smash Cast, and the other reason I want to give up, uh, harassing him about it is because if i do this other thing uh this other side then side thing, you're gonna be the one getting harassed oh it's well i don't know if if people are gonna listen to it or not i'm not gonna presume that anyone is actually gonna like it but i will say that it's not gonna be a regular thing it's gonna be like i put this out and then maybe later when there's something else to talk about i might put another one out but there's it's not gonna be a regular thing so we'll see yeah, so no chance. So no chance of uh, Sir Bemro sticking it on the stream. No, 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 no. Well, I don't know. Unless he wants to, uh, I know he kind of wants to. He he wants yeah, to. Yeah, but keep that means he'd have to there. actually do something. Yeah, and you know he doesn't like doing anything. Yeah, well, work is anathema to him. So what do you got to close us up? Get any last uh, comments? Yeah. So interesting video that I saw recently. And apparently, you can make iron float. Mm-hmm. As in, like, an iron boat? Like old iron sides? No, like, you can take a big chunk of iron, like an anvil, and make it float. Hmm. You just have to have the right liquid to float it in. <laughs> like liquid mercury. Aha! There you go. Yeah. That's a liquid metal. Quick So that's going to go in the show notes. It's a pretty neat, it's a pretty neat video. And it does actually float. Not as well as I was expecting it to, but it floated. Hmm. That's fun. Um, I don't have a picture of it, so I can't react to it, other than say that sounds interesting. Well, it's a video, so wouldn't expect you to be able to really react to it very well anyways. Uh, yeah, those videos. I mean, just with this being just sound. I have such a hard time with videos. Yeah, fuck videos. You know, they didn't need those videos back in the day. should have never gone beyond radio. Back in the day. I think we should have stopped with the postcards that are eating the fish. With the fish eating the, the fish men. fish eating the people. Yeah. And the people are on the postcards. <laughs> Look, when a fish sends a postcard to another fish, do they worry about this? The fish? No, they don't worry about it. The fish don't, the fish don't worry about anything. Oh, boy. All right, what do you say we wrap the shindig up? Yeah, I think, I think we've hit the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and much like uh, the fish in the barrel, we're all... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. We're shot. We're shot. This whole show's shot. I'm done. This uh, Baltimore Blonde's good. <laughs> but until next time, I'm Abel Kirby. I'm Cold Acid. Adios. Adios.
Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied? 